0: Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Today we're looking at chapter 22 of Twilight, titled Hide and Seek. So where we left off, Bella got a phone call from James, and James was like, come alone to your house, and then I'm gonna kill you, basically. Um, Because he's got her mum hostage or whatever. And Bella thought, you know what, I'll just do whatever he says, and I'll somehow give this fortune-telling and emotion-reading vampire couple the slip. So now we're going to see how that goes. And the first line is, it had taken much less time than I'd thought. And you're like, what did? And she says, all the terror, the despair, and the shattering of my heart. And I'm thinking, okay, she's processing her emotions. She's, she's, you know, going through something. And then she says the minutes were ticking by more slowly than usual. And I'm sorry, I have to pull Stephanie up again for distorting time. She's just always messing with time. She's bloody Doctor Who because she's slowing down time. She's speeding up time. She's just messing with time. And now the minutes are slow. And she says Jasper still hadn't come back by the time she returns Alice because Jasper's been checking out for like, Half an hour. How long does it take to check out of a shitty motel? Some places you just drop the key in the box, right? You say if I've had any room service, just charge it to the card. What the what the fucks he doing down there? But when she comes back in, Alice is bent over the desk, gripping the edge with two hands, and she's like Alice, and Alice doesn't react. She's just rocking side to side, clearly having a vision. And then Jasper's back now, and he's like, what's up, Alice? She says, Bella. And Bella's like, I'm right here, sweets. And then Bella realizes, oh, she's not talking to me. She's talking about me. So Alice is having a vision about Bella. So I've got to give them them props. Before, I was saying, shouldn't Alice get a vision update as soon as Bella makes a decision? And I guess she did. I guess now that Bella has made her decision, Alice got a vision update. But we'll see what she does with this update, which I'll, I gotta tell you, spoiler alert, it's not much. So then Bella says to her, what did you see? And she says that she said it with no question in her flat, uncaring voice. <laughs> but there's a question mark at the end of what did you see? What did you see? Question mark, she said with no question. <sighs> then why is there a question mark, Steph? And then Jasper like makes her feel tranquil. And she's like, oh good, drug me up Jasper because I wanna suppress my emotions so you don't find out what I'm planning. And Alice is like, oh yeah, didn't really see anything. Just the same room as before. How about we get breakfast? And Bella says, no, I'll eat at the airport. And I'm sorry, you're you're gonna eat at the airport? What are you, fucking Mr. Moneybags? No one eats breakfast at the airport, it's too expensive. Ate at this shitty hotel have whatever cereal they're offering you in the buffet and save your coins eating at the airport. Wow, how the other half live. (laughs) Not me, not me. So then Bella says she went to the bathroom to shower because she wanted to give Jasper and Alice some time to discuss her alone. And she's going on a suicide mission. I know if I was in her position, I wouldn't bother showering. I'd say, hey, if I'm gonna die today, I'm not gonna waste precious time showering. Let me leave a smelly corpse. Why do I care? No flies on me. Well, actually, maybe there'll be some flies on me because I'll be a smelly corpse. So then she digs out her sock full of money and she empties the money into her pocket. So this little sock full of cash that was mentioned two chapters ago is really just coming up again. It's, It's very important. And then they're leaving the hotel. Like Alice just had a vision of... Bella presumably dying and getting murdered by James. And so her first instinct is better get to the airport. Got to meet Edward. I would have texted Edward and say, Hey, change your plans. Just got another vision. Best to keep Bella inside for a couple more hours. Do you want to meet us at the hotel? Why would, why would you leave? And then why are they not suspicious about Bella not asking her more questions about the vision? I mean, it's pretty obvious that, She's had a terrible vision. Oh, mind. Oh, well, well, she does ask a question. She says, how does it work what you see? Edward said that things can change. And Alice is like, yeah, things can change. Some things are more certain than others, like the weather, people are harder. I see the course they're on while they're on it. Once they change their minds, make a new decision, no matter how small, the whole future shifts. And doesn't her whole superpower just seem so pointless when you put it like that? Like how many decisions must James have made in the past 24 hours that would just alter every single vision that you've had? And Bella nods thoughtfully and she says, so you couldn't see James in Phoenix until he decided to come here? And she's like, yeah. And did I, did I misread a couple of chapters ago when, when James hopped on the plane and they were all like, he must be going back to Fork. So, so Alice knew at that point that he was certainly coming to Phoenix. Or did she not suspect that at that point? Because they were, Edward was like, just assuming that he was flying back to Forks, which he could have checked the departure board at the airport. Why didn't they check the departure board at the airport? If they saw James get on a flight. Why wouldn't they have just Googled that flight and seen that it was going to Phoenix? As, as soon as she brought planes into this book, I just, I checked out. I, I checked out. But Bella's like, oh, okay. So she hadn't seen me in the mirror room until I decided to go there. And she says, that must be why they're watching me twice as carefully now. Uh Well, they still left the hotel, so they can't be that careful. They get to the airport and she says luck was with her because Edward's plane was landing in Terminal 4, which was the largest terminal and the most confusing. So she's like, that's good, I'll use that to my advantage. And are airports that confusing to navigate? Like I've been to a lot of airports and yes, they're big, but they all are numbered and laid out methodically. Where's terminal six? Well, it's next to terminal five. Where's gate 25? It's next to gate 26. Everything is signposted. Why does Bella think airports are so confusing? Millions of people every day just get on their flight. They managed to find their flight and get on it successfully in time. And maybe Alice and Jasper have never been at an airport because she says they parked on the fourth floor of the huge garage and Bella led the way because she was for once more knowledgeable about her surroundings than they were. So Alice and Jasper are just deer in headlights just following Bella willy nilly through an airport. Like you just look up at the sign that says terminal four. Sometimes they'll even put you on a bus between terminals. They make it easy for you, it's user friendly. She says that she waited impatiently for an opportunity to gap it, and they sat in long rows of chairs by the metal detectors with Jasper and Alice pretending to people watch, but really watching her. No explanation of time of day. Tell me an airport that doesn't have window walls with light streaming in. Is there any airport in the globe? I'm gonna Google Phoenix Airport. Okay, so I'm looking at Terminal 4 of Sky Harbor Airport and there is a lot of natural light. There's huge windows. Light is just pouring in. It could not be a more well-lit area. But there's no mention of how Alice and Jasper are sparkling in the terminal. There's just, there's just no mention of it. So she whips out her letter to Edward, but which she's going to pretend is for her mum. And she puts it on Alice's bag. And she says, look after this for me. And Alice is like, yeah, cool. I don't know of this letter ever comes up again. I don't remember if at the end of the book they banter about, hey, remember that letter? I have a feeling they're just going to drop it from all existence and never mention it again. So I'm glad we're spending a lot of time on it. And so while they're sitting there waiting for Edward's flight, Alice is like, hey, let's go get breakfast. And Bella's like, well, maybe later. I'm not hungry yet. And then his flight is 10 minutes early and she only has 20 minutes to get out of there. And she's like, I got to make my move. And then she's like, I think I'll eat now. And Alice is like, cool, I'll come with you. And she says, "Mm, do you mind if Jasper comes instead? I'm feeling a little, and then dot, dot, dot. She doesn't finish the sentence. So I don't know what she's meant to be feeling. I guess anxious. But why isn't Jasper picking up on her shadiness? Mm -mm -mm. But Alice's eyes were confused, but not suspicious. So Bella the eye reader is back in full form and she feels confident that Alice isn't contributing her change in vision to her movements, more to the movements of the tracker. So then Jasper's walking her around through all the cafes and she says she pretended a lack of interest in the first few airport cafes, my head scanning for what I really wanted. And I mean, all the airport cafes are the same. Why is she calling them airport cafes? We know know we're in an airport, just call it a cafe. And then she sees what she wants to see. And it's the level three ladies room. This is where the whole book of Twilight pivots. It's her genius plan to go to the bathroom. Specifically the level three ladies room because she knew that this one had two exits. And so she says to Jasper, do you mind? I'll just be a moment. And he says, yeah, no worries. Um, maybe say, no, let's wait till you can go with Alice. Like Alice just had a vision of her getting killed. Why would you be like, ah, yeah, go to the bathroom on your own. Are you really expecting James wouldn't just be hiding in the bathroom? Like he could very well be there. Although why he'd be in an airport in broad daylight, I wouldn't know. So she runs into the bathroom and then runs out of the bathroom's other exit. And that's... That's her genius move. This is just, this is just so dumb. It's just so dumb. How did she escape an emotion reader and a fortune teller? She just went to a bathroom with two exits. Uh, uh, I, 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 So she runs out of the other exit and she just sprints for the elevators. And Jasper's just nowhere near her to see this. How is the other exit completely far away from Jasper waiting out the front of the other exit? I I need to pull up the map. I'm going to pull up the map. Phoenix airport, terminal four, level three ladies bathroom. Do you think like Twilight fans go to Phoenix airport and then specifically go to terminal four level three ladies room just to be like, ah, this is the room. It does have two exits. I mean, surely someone's fact-checked it in real life, right? Okay, well, there's no thorough map of the airport bathrooms online that I could find. And I haven't seen any other people complaining about this little plot hole. So maybe, maybe I'm the only one that cares. Maybe no one else cares. So she catches the elevator. She goes to level one. Everyone around her is getting pretty annoyed because she's barging in and knocking people over. And then she runs past baggage claim. She gets outside and there's no cabin sight. If you've been to an airport and there hasn't been a cab waiting outside, let me know because that could very possibly be the biggest plot hole in this entire book. No cabs at the airport? I don't think. But then she sees a shuttle to the Hyatt closing its doors just a few feet behind her. So how she's seeing behind her, I don't know. But she says, wait, and she calls running at the driver and the driver's like, hey, this is the shuttle to the Hyatt. And she goes, yeah, that's where I'm going. And he's looking at her her not having any luggage. And then he just shrugs, not caring enough to ask. (laughs) How did this get written? So she just daydreams on the ride to the Hyatt. And then when she gets to the Hyatt, a tired looking couple are getting out of a cab. So she jumps into the cab and says to the driver, hey, take me here. And he says, that's in Scottsdale. And she's like, throws four $20 bills over the seat and says, will that be enough? And he says, sure, kid, no problem. (laughs) Baller move. So then she just sits in the cab and has a nice car ride. She says, there's no point indulging in any more terror or anxiety. Her path was set. She just needed to follow it. (laughs) So instead of panicking, she just closed her eyes and spent the 20 minutes thinking about Edward. What the fuck? And so then the cabbie says, what's the number? And she's like, 5821. And the cabbie's like, cool, well, we're here. Do you want to get out? And she's like, oh, okay. Just just like snapped out of her daydream about Edward. So she runs to the door and she grabs the key that's under the eave. Now, let's just remind ourselves that no one's been in this house. Well, no one's been living in this house for months. She's been in Forks for months. Renee's been in Florida for a good chunk of time, which is the other side of the country. So Renee and Phil left the house for months ago and thought, let's just leave this key under the (laughs) eave. As if you'd leave town and leave the key out the front of the house. But that's what they do. And also, why are they just leaving this house empty? Rent it out. Get some return on your investment. Is it? Is it empty of furniture? Well, no, it's not because Alice sketched her vision with all the furniture there. What kind of life are they living? Did they move to Florida or what? But yeah, she unlocks the door, she goes in, she sees the whiteboard next to the phone and there's a number. And so she goes to call the number, but her fingers stumble over the keypad and she makes mistakes. And she has to hang up and start again. <laughs> she says she had to concentrate on the buttons and carefully press each one in turn. I was successful, she said. (laughs) She's just escaped two vampires. She's done a whole crosstown amazing race from the airport to the Hyatt, from the Hyatt over here in a cab. And dialing the phone is the biggest challenge. (laughs) And then James answers the phone. He's like, oh, hey, Bella, that was quick. I'm so impressed. And then she says, is my mum alright?" And he's like, yeah, she's fine. Don't worry, Bella. And he says, do you know the ballet studio from just around the corner? And she says, yes. And he says, Great, see you then. And, like, does James know that Bella used to go to that ballet studio? Like, why did he pick the ballet studio? Why did he need a second location around the corner from the house? I guess because he's assuming that Bella would have told the other vampires and ambushed him, which she really should have done. But a bit random to pick a ballet studio. So then she leaves the house. And she runs around the corner heading for the ballet studio. And she said it was like running through wet sand. She couldn't seem to get enough purchase from the concrete. And she tripped several times. (laughs) Several times. (laughs) Oh, that's just, that's just funny. That's funny. And then she says in the harsh, bright sunlight, she felt dangerously exposed. And more fiercely than she would have dreamed she was capable of, she wished for the green protective forests of forks dot, 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 of home. So now she thinks forks is home. All books she's been referring to Phoenix's home, but now in the sunlight, she's like, nah, this isn't for me. And also thank you for letting us know that it's bright sunlight. I feel like we're forgetting the impacts that bright sunlight has on vampires. Like, why couldn't she have just stood outside the ballet studio on the street and said, hey, James, I'm right here. Dare you to come out in the sunlight. Oh, okay. But of course he wouldn't burn. He would just sparkle. So that wouldn't have done anything. Wow, well, the whole vampire sparkling thing's really throwing a wrench into all my other plans that Bella could have made. So she gets to the ballet studio. She goes in and it's nice and dark and empty and cool inside because the air conditioner is thrumming. <laughs> So James turned on the air conditioner for himself. He's like, if I'm going to camp out in this ballet studio, I'm going to want the aircon pumping. I just think that's just a hilarious little detail that's been added in. And also she says the carpet smelled like shampoo. <laughs> I don't know why we need to know this. I don't know why Bella is taking note of this when she's about to get killed. Like, why is she surveying the room and giving us, giving us a sensory description? Also what kind of shampoo is it the strawberry shampoo that she uses and again in a compass bella she says the west dance floor was dark and the east dance floor which was the bigger room was more well lit but the blinds were closed uh, 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 why does she know the difference between east and west at all times should i know the difference between east and west at all times and then she hears her mother's voice calling out bella bella Bella, you scared me, don't do that again. And I'm thinking, huh? That doesn't track. But Bella doesn't register. She's like, yeah, that's a perfectly normal thing for my mom to say when when I'm entering the ballet studio. Bella's looking around trying to find where the voice is coming from. And then she hears her laugh and she's like, wait a minute. And so she's on the TV and it's a home video from like Thanksgiving when Bella was a kid. And guys, that's when we realize Renee was never there. Renee was never in trouble. It was just her voice on the video that Bella heard through the phone. Now, don't we wish Bella had told Jasper and Alice this? Because Alice could have like trained her vision on what Renee was up to maybe. But no, she got played, she fell for it. And now she's about to die. So James presses pause on the TV and then he's standing staring at Bella and then he smiles and he walks towards her (laughs) and then puts the remote down next to the VCR because, hey, you wouldn't want to drop it on the floor. And then he says, sorry about that, Bella, but isn't it better that your mother didn't really have to be involved in all of this? And then it hits her. So she says, and suddenly it hit me. My mother was safe. She was still in Florida. Bella caught on a bit later than we did, but she's on the same page now. And James is like, you don't sound angry that I tricked you. And Bella says, "Ah, well, you live and you learn. And she's like, "Ah, it'll be over soon. And Charlie and mum will never have to be harmed. And then she says she felt almost giddy about it. And James is like, uh, what the fuck? (laughs) And his dark eyes assess her with interest. And then James is like, wow, I sort of see why your strange coven thinks humans are so interesting now. I can see the draw of observing you. You don't make any sense. And all throughout this chapter, James just talks about humans as if he never was a human. And he's like, humans are so interesting. And I was like, bitch, you were one. And then Bella just shades him in the narration. She says, he was so very average looking, nothing remarkable about his face or body at all. (laughs) Just the white skin, the circled eyes I'd grown used to. He wore a pale blue long-sleeved shirt and faded blue jeans. So the fact that she's noticing his clothes really indicates that he's ugly. But here I am thinking that vampires in this universe are super attractive. And I guess they're not. Although Alice said last chapter, she said, we have a lot of skills, us vampires, one of them being we're super attractive to our prey, but not James. Apparently he's aggressively average. Also, why is he wearing a long sleeve shirt in Phoenix? It's hot, it's a dry heat. Take that shit off. He was much hotter in the movie. The casting directors for the movie got this script and they were like, you know what? We're not gonna make him average. We're gonna cast the hot guy from the OC and it's gonna be great. And James says, I suppose you're going to tell me that your boyfriend will avenge you. And Bella says, nah, I hope he doesn't. And James is like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, I asked him not to. I sent him a letter. And he's like, oh, okay, that's romantic. Do you think he'll honor it? And she says, oh, I hope so. And he's like, who's this bitch? And he's like, well, I hope he doesn't because this was all a little too easy. He said, to be honest, I'm quite disappointed. I expected a much greater challenge. And Bella's like, "Uh uh-huh, do your big villain speech. Tell us how you did it. Which, I mean, it didn't take a rocket scientist to guess that she'd be in Phoenix. But he's acting like he's a Bond villain. He's like, well, when Victoria couldn't get to your father, I had to find another way. So instead of chasing you around the planet, (laughs) he says planet, and Bella was not leaving the continental US. She wasn't even going more than three states away. And he says, I was going to pay Phoenix a visit, but I thought you'd never come where you said you would go. (laughs) He said, wouldn't it be the perfect ploy to go to the last place you should be when you're hiding, the place you said you would be? And I think Bella's proud of it being like, you know what, that was a good ploy. But clearly it wasn't, because it only took him two chapters to find her. And he says that when he got to her mother's house, he listened to her message, but he couldn't be sure where she'd called from. And he said, it was very useful to have your number because you could have been in Antarctica for all I knew, and the game wouldn't work unless you were close by. And no, she was never going to Antarctica. She should have, but she didn't. And she should not have called you, James. But Edward was the real fuck up. So when Edward got on the plane to Phoenix, Victoria was monitoring them and was like, oh, okay, so she's in Phoenix. (laughs) So Edward gave the game away, and Victoria did the sensible thing by checking a departure board and figuring out where he went. So props to Victoria. But yeah, he boasts and he gloats and he's like, you know, it was really easy, not up to my high standards, but I'm hoping Edward will like to have a battle. They really fucked up. And honestly, she should never have left Edward. Edward should never have let her leave. Why would you give up a mind reading vampire? Right? Wouldn't he have been so handy to have to just read... James's mind to know what his plan is. So anyway, James whips out like a, a handy cam and he says, Hey, would you mind if I left a little letter for Edward myself? And Bella's like, yeah, whatever. She's checked out. And he says, I'm sorry. I just don't think he'll be able to resist hunting me after he watches this. And I wouldn't want him to miss anything. It was all for him. Of course, you're just a dumb human who was unfortunately in the wrong place at the wrong time. So he's about to torture her on camera to goad Edward into hunting him down. Which, hey, it's nice to see vampires acting like vampires. And Bella says this was something she had not anticipated. Oh, you didn't anticipate that the psycho vampire killer tracker would want to play with his food before he eats it? And he says, oh, I just want to rub it in a little bit because the answer was there all along. And I was so afraid Edward would see that and ruin my fun. It happened once a little while ago. And it's the only time that a prey had ever escaped me. He says that one vampire who was so stupidly fond of his little victim made the choice that Edward was too weak to make. And when this vampire knew that James was after his friend, he stole her from the asylum where he worked. And as soon as he freed her, he made her safe. She didn't even seem to notice the pain. A hundred years earlier, she would have burned at the stake for her visions. In the 1920s, it was the asylum and the shock treatments. When she opened her eyes, it was like she'd never seen the sun before. The old vampire made her a strong new vampire, and then there was no reason for me to touch her, and I destroyed the old one in vengeance. And Bella's like, Alice! And I do love that we got Alice's backstory. I've been saying for a while, I'd love to know Alice's backstory. And even though I've read this, I had forgotten about it because I guess it's not that memorable. It's actually a bit too convenient. So you're telling me that the random guy who showed up while you were playing baseball is also the same guy who tried to kill Alice 80 years earlier. And James is like, yeah, your little friend, I was surprised to see her in the clearing. He didn't act surprised. Evie looked surprised Bella would have mentioned it. And also, Edward didn't pick that up in his brain. Imagine you were obsessed with some girl and you wanted to kill her, and then she was the only person to ever evade you because she got turned into a vampire. You run into her 90 years later. Wouldn't she be thinking, oh shit, that's Alice. Wonder how she's been? And then wouldn't Edward's brain be like, why does he know who Alice is? Uh, anyway. And then he steps towards her and he lifts up a lock of her hair and sniffs it. And then he tucks his strand of hair back into her head. And then he lets his cool fingertips touch her throat and reaches up to stroke her cheek. And she's like frozen with fear. She wants to run away. She couldn't even flinch. And it's just very funny to me because these are all of Edward's moves. Edward's done the put the lock of hair back in place. He's done the... The, the cheek greys, the face touch. It's just interesting that they have the same moves. And James is like, huh, well, I guess we should get on with it. <laughs> he's like bored by Bella. And honestly, that's a mood. So then he circles around her and then he gets into a crouch and he lunges forward to attack her. And she tries to run, but panic takes over her. And he's in front of her. And... I guess he just starts beating the shit out of her. And this is all very different from what it seems like in the prologue. Remember in the prologue, it was like she's standing there in a dark room or whatever, and a hunter starts stepping towards her and she's sort of happy and relieved to have taken the place for a loved one. But at this point in time, she already knows that she's not taken the place of a loved one because Renee is still in Florida. So the prologue, doesn't really match up with what's happening in this chapter but anyway he's yeah he's beaten the fuck out of her he's bashing her head against the mirrors and he says oh that's nice he thought that the room would be visually dramatic for his little film and that's why he picked the ballet studio okay that that answers that question this is why he wanted the second location because it's cinematic so then bella's scrambling around and then his foot steps hard down on her leg and she hears a sickening snap before she feels it. But then she did feel it and it hurt. <laughs> and then he says to her, would you like to rethink your last request? And he nudges his toe against her broken leg. But, uh, what's her last request? What is he talking about? Bella hasn't spoken uh, like at all. Oh, and then she hears a scream. And then with a shock, she realizes it's her screaming. (laughs) Classic. And then it just keeps smacking her around. It's very violent. Uh, And then a warm wetness starts to spread through her hair with alarming speed. And she feels it soaking the shoulder of her shirt. And she hears it dripping onto the wood below and the smell of it twists her stomach. So she's like, oh no, I'm bleeding. I hate the smell of blood. (laughs) And if she almost fainted from that tiny little pinprick In chapter five, blood type, she should have fainted by now because she's full on bleeding out, but through the nausea and the dizziness, she sees his eyes. God, she's good at reading eyes and she sees the thirst in it and she's like, oh, thank God I'm going to bleed and he's going to feel the uncontrollable desire to drink my blood and then it'll be game over and she's like, cool, let it be quick, suck it out of me. And now it's when she sees him walking towards her. How did he get so far away from her? (laughs) So dumb. So (laughs) he was just stepping on her foot to like make her broken leg hurt more or whatever. And now she can see through the long tunnels that her eyes had become, his dark shape coming towards her. Is he just backing off willy-nilly to just walk forwards towards her again and again? But anyway, with her last effort, she lifts her hands up to protect her face and with her eyes closed, she drifts. And that's the end of the chapter. Woo hoo hoo hoo. And I was gonna do the next chapter, but we've been talking for a while. So maybe we'll, maybe we won't. Ah, you know what? Let's do a bumper rep and get into the next chapter because I couldn't leave you on a cliffhanger, right? Like what's gonna happen? What could possibly happen when she's at the ballet studio, which is exactly where Alice knows she will be. And she gave the cross street coordinates to Alice a few chapters ago. So it can't be long before the cavalry arrives. And that's exactly what happened. So this chapter, let's, let's get into it. It's Christmas time. Let's give you another chapter. So chapter 23, the angel. So apparently while she's drifting in nausea, she's also dreaming. And she hears the most beautiful sound that her mind could conjure up. It's beautiful and uplifting and it's Edward snarling. (laughs) Although she doesn't call him Edward. She calls him the angel throughout this chapter. She says she feels a sharp pain in her hand, but she couldn't find her way back far enough to open her eyes. That's written very confusingly. But I think she means couldn't find her way back far enough, like in her consciousness or something to open her eyes. (laughs) And then she says, and then I knew I was dead. (laughs) And she thinks she's dead because she hears the sound of an angel calling her name. And oh no, Bella, no, the angel's voice cries in horror. And it's Edward. She hasn't figured it out yet, but it's Edward. But she sort of has, but she thinks he's an angel. I don't know what's going on. But she's, she's bleeding out, but she then hears a vicious bass growling. <laughs> Another vocal vocal range shout out, a bass growling. A shocking snapping sound. But she's like, I'm going to try and concentrate on the angel's voice instead. And the angel's voice is just saying, Bella, please, please, Bella, 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 Bella. And then the angel calls out, Carlisle. <laughs> it's, it's clearly Edward. She keeps calling him the angel like she was calling James the tracker, but it's just Edward. But then the angel is sobbing, tearless, broken sobs. And she's like, that's weird. Angels shouldn't weep, but she's still underwater. Her head's hurting. And then she feels all the other pains in her body. And then she cries out gasping. But then a calm voice just says that she's lost some blood. The head wound isn't deep, uh, but watch out for her leg, it's broken. And she's like, oh, cool, so I'm not dead. Oh, but then a howl of rage strangles the angel's lips. And then she feels a sharp stab in her side. And she's like, is this heaven? There's too much pain for me to be in heaven. She is so discombobulated right now. But then the pain in her hand overpowers everything else. She's like, someone's burning me. So she's like, Edward. So she does know that Edward is the angel. And he's like, Bella, you'll be fine. And she's like, Edward, it hurts. And he's like, yeah, I know. And then Carlisle says, hold your breath, Alice. It will help. And that's what I've been saying. These vampires should be holding their breath to stop smelling humans. So glad they're running with that. And so then she keeps saying, oh, my hand hurts. My hand hurts. And Edward's like, yeah, I know, sweetie. It's fine. Carlisle will help out. And she's like, no, like my hand really hurts. It's burning. And that's when he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> and so he's like, Bella? And she's like, the fire, someone stop the fire. And then Carlyles like, oh, we bit a hand. Oh, the venom's spreading. It's like, hello. See, this is why they really need to start listening to Bella more. I know she comes up with dumb plans, but when she's telling you what she's feeling, you've got to listen to her. And so then there's more conversation about what to do, but she's just fading in and out of consciousness. So she's not really narrating really well, which is a, which is a change for Bella and it's quite disappointing. I would have really loved to have known what Edward's eyes were saying right now, but, we, but we'll guess we'll never know. And so basically Edward's going to suck the venom out of her hand. And Carlisle doesn't even know if it's going to work, but he's like, Hey, may as well try, but hurry. And Edward's like, Ooh, I don't know if I could do that. And Carlisle says, look, it's your decision, Edward, but I can't help you. I have to get this bleeding stopped. If you're going to take blood from her hand. So like, what do you want me to do? Meanwhile, she's still on the ground screaming, Edward, Edward. And are we ever going to get filled in on what's happening with James? I'd love an update on James. Anyone got eyes on James? But no, so she's, she's got the burning hand. And Edward's just taking his sweet ass fucking time to decide what to do. Oh, and Bella can see his perfect face staring at her, twisted in a mask of indecision and pain. So Edward still manages to look perfect while well, his face is twisted in a mask of indecision and pain. Like, Bella, you're dying. You've got vampire venom coursing through your veins and you're still taking the time to describe him as perfect. Like, you know what? We get it. But yeah, Edward's still indecisive and Carlisle's like, Edward, do it now or it'll be too late. And I'm just thinking, can't we just amputate the bitch's hand? Just chop off her hand. Because Edward's like, I guess nervous that he's gonna drink too much blood but just chop off her hand. And how is she still awake? She should be passed out from nausea right now because of seeing blood and smelling blood, not because of the injuries. But finally, mercifully, Edward starts sucking the venom out of her hand. But yeah, James, James must be taken care of because he's not interrupting. And guys, this is why you don't split up. It clearly took them all of two seconds to overpower James from the lack of a scuffle. It took them two seconds. This is what they should have done in the first place in the bloody field playing baseball. They all had baseball bats. Knock him around a bit. So Edward's sucking the venom out while Carlisle's doing something to her head and Alice is like trying to brace a broken leg. She's She's a mess, she's in all sorts. And the fire in her hand starts going away and her hand starts going numb. Oh, and now's when she feels her consciousness slipping as the pain subsides. And she's like, Edward, stay with me. And he's like, yeah, I will. Uh, and his voice was strained, but somehow triumphant. So you can tell that he's very proud of himself. And she sighs contentedly. Imagine, imagine feeling content after all that's gone on this morning. <laughs> and Carlyle says to Edward, hey, is her blood all right? And he says, yeah, the blood tastes clean. I can taste the morphine. So I guess Carlyle carries morphine with him at all times. Don't know how he got it onto the plane. Did he check a bag? Vampire airline travel. It's just all new to me. So I'm just experiencing it as we go along. Edward says, Bella, is the fire all gone? And she says, yes, thank you, Edward. And he says, I love you. And she says, I know. And he laughs, I guess because she's quoting Star Wars. That's funny. And Carlisle's like, Bella, where's your mother? And she says, oh, in Florida. He tricked me. (laughs) And then she's like, oh, Alice, speaking of you got to watch this video because he says all this stuff about where you came from. And then she says, I smell gasoline. And I'm like, bitch, can you pass the fuck out already? You're wearing me out. And Carla's like, we got to move her. And she says, no, I want to sleep. And Ed was like, yeah, you can sleep, sweetie. I'll carry you. So he picks her up and then he says, sleep now, Bella. And those are the last words she heard. And that's the end of the second chapter we're reading tonight. Wow, what a treat. What a treat. So this has been a long one. So I'm not going to give you the full spiel. Just like leave a rating, leave a review. Follow me on Twitter. F- you know, send us an email. Like all the information's in the links in the episode the descriptions every week. So like figure it out this once. Next week's called chapter 24 and impasse. And it's the last chapter. <gasps> whoop, whoop. I mean, there will be an epilogue after that, but it's technically the last chapter. So that's, that's going to be fun when we get to it. So, so I'll see you next time. Bye.